What's up, everybody? Thanks so much for tuning in. This week, I talked to Chelsea Barmore-Brunel, an educator of entrepreneurship. Yeah, it's going to be good. She gives us her origin story and then also gives us some tips on how we can better cultivate some creativity in our kids. So let's get into it. What is up, Creators Therapy family? Thank you so much for tuning in. We've got a really excited, excited, exciting episode today. I am talking with the one and only Chelsea Barmore Brunel. She is an educator, a singer, a writer. Uh, fam, I'm super excited. We, I've been waiting to get to talk to an educator on this thing for a while now. So Chelsea, thank you so much for being on with me. Yeah, of course. Super excited about this. I'm so glad to be here. Good. I'm so glad. Um, So Chelsea is in with me today. Uh, She has a really, really cool job where she actually gets to teach ninth graders on the daily about uh, business foundations, right? And just cultivate all these creative minds and mold these amazing students and get Get this next generation of, of rule breakers and risk takers ready and prepared for the world. Um, and so I'm really excited to share with you some of the insights that she has to share. Uh, I, I think I think everyone's going to get a ton of value out of this. So, um, yeah. So, Chelsea, you know, the uh, <laughs> you know, the you know, the the kind of how we do it around here. We at Creators Therapy, we know that the stories hold our cure. So uh, we're also really into the origin story yeah. of the people that come on this show. Definitely. So share with me a little bit about your, a lot of bit about your origin story. Give me the, how you came to be you right now. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I always joke with family, friends, loved ones who ask me, you know, how did you get in teaching? Um, <laughs> well, teaching was never part of the plan. Um, I did not go to school to become an educator. Um, but that world was opened up to me in college. And so I guess I'll start Mm -hmm. there. Yeah. Um, so I ended up attending Azusa Pacific university and, um, I was studying journalism and English and business on the side because I really wanted to pursue public relations. That Mm -hmm. was kind of the goal. And I wanted to work with artists such as musicians and authors and do PR work for them. Um, so that's why I was, you know, studying a lot of that content. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I was given the opportunity to actually go and teach English in Cambodia. Oh, wow. um, and that I tell people all the time, like wrecked me in the best way possible. Um, it was during that experience where I was able to teach a lot of international students English um, that this whole new world of what education could look like yeah. Um started to open up for me and um, I really started to question my career path because of that um, awesome experience and um, I would just say like being over there just opened my eyes to a lot not only just education but just to lived experiences of other people around the world Um, I was given the opportunity to not only teach those international students, but also be exposed to what human and sex trafficking looks like mm. um, over in Southeast Asia, which again wrecked me. Um, 
and just made me ask some really critical questions Mm -hmm. um just about human beings in general and um and just our youth too like how are we preparing our youth to like see their worth and their value yeah um and 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 to know their worth and their value um and i realized that i could be a huge advocate for exploring that through education for our youth and so coming back to the u.s uh it 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 all shifted from there um i ended up contacting this organization called teach for america they were looking for some interns on my college campus Mm -hmm. um to kind of help promote that program and that organization and um, I actually ended up applying myself and I ended up getting accepted and they placed me back into my hometown of San Jose and I got to teach um, English there for sixth and seventh graders oh wow which was basically the most difficult thing I've ever done in my (laughs) entire life but the most rewarding at the same time and like junior high students are not that's it's not a whole nother world right there yeah. it's a completely <laughs> different world i'll tell you that i bet um a lot of these students though um they come from very different backgrounds very mm-hmm. diverse backgrounds um a lot of these students though that i was teaching come from uh predominantly like low socioeconomic status um uh neighborhoods and um, a lot of my students were English language learners who mm-hmm. weren't getting uh, supports they needed from other schools and it was basically in my adult life um, the second time that I was being exposed to like inequity um, yeah. like educational inequity so it was that point when I started teaching English in um, Eastside San Jose that I was realizing that there was some inequity here Mm-hmm. Um, but in a different form compared to what I was experiencing in, in Cambodia. But gotcha. um, a lot of these students that I was teaching comes from come from basically different backgrounds and uh, diverse backgrounds, but uh, most of them from like low socioeconomic status neighborhoods. And um, a lot of them were just looking for like one person to believe in them and mm. like one person to like be their cheerleader and like that one person to like look at them and say like, you've got this, you yeah. know, and I'm going to, I'm going to help you get through this like crazy world we call life. Um, yeah. and so that was, that was again, yeah, the hardest experience I've ever had, but the most rewarding. Yeah. Um, for, for people who don't know, can you kind of speak into <laughs> a little bit about like what, what you mean specifically when you talk about some of the inequity that, yeah. that is experienced? Definitely. Um, so I guess to like sum it up, we can use the word access. Mm-hmm. Um, there are definitely like community groups um, filled with schools that have more access than mm-hmm. others in yeah. our nation. And so um, I know for me, <laughs> when I was a little girl, I experienced it myself. I mean, I grew up in downtown San Jose and mm-hmm. um, my mom, I didn't understand the time, but my mom didn't want me to go to a lot of or any of the schools in downtown San Jose. Um, she kept telling me, oh, there's low test scores, there's low test scores. But I didn't understand like why there's low test scores yeah. or like what causes low test scores or how that like, yeah, what that means and yeah. like how that impacts me as a student. And so we actually used my grandparents' address um, so I could attend a public school basically down the street from my grandparents because it had some of the highest test scores for a public school in San Jose. Um, And so at a very early age, I started to realize, okay, there are differences among schools depending on which neighborhood you live in. But 
as I got older, I started to really see what that looks like. Mm. Um, and honestly, it can come down to like um, technology access or like access to even books or libraries yeah. because like the school I was teaching at in Eastside San Jose, we didn't have a library. Um, we didn't have a lot of art classes. We had one art class for everyone. Um, we had like core classes. And when I say core classes, I mean like uh, English, math, science. Yeah. And that's about it because all the state tests um, basically are around those core subjects. Um, so I, the crazy part is there's schools like 10 minutes away from the school I was teaching at that has a multitude of classes um, expanding from like woodwork to um, like cooking to this huge music program, Mm -hmm. you know? And so the school I was teaching at didn't have a lot of that. And I realized, you know, I did get that growing up, you know? And same thing in Cambodia that Mm -hmm. a lot of international students I was teaching, like they were receiving um, certain resources that other local schools that did not have international students were not receiving. Um, so it's, it looks different, um, around the globe, but there is also a lot of similarities. And so teach for America is trying to just create that awareness and trying Mm -hmm. to find people who realize that's an issue and it's like affecting our students, um, in a negative way. And like really asking us, how can we combat that? and create more equity for our kids and i'm trying to do that every day still yeah yeah and just and just while you're talking about it, i was thinking about um i think my mom did kind of a similar thing right yeah. like I, I grew up in very small farm towns and so we went from one small one really small farm town to a less small farm mm-hmm. town but mm-hmm. that less small farm town had a, a lot more access to uh resources and classes and there was right. just a lot more you could do there right and it was a lot more challenging academically. I was going to set you up for a little bit better situation post high school. Yeah. And so, yeah, no, I, I, I can only imagine how, how crazy this is worldwide. Oh yeah. And especially here in America, well, just down the street in LA, right? Like there's yeah. so many different schools that with varying, uh, resource access. Yep. Insane. Yep. Yep. And it really comes down to funding, you know? Yeah like where the schools are getting the money from and how the the money is being used. Um, But I feel really, really, really fortunate about the school that I'm working at right now Mm -hmm. um, called the School of Arts and Enterprise. And it's in downtown Pomona within the Arts Colony here in California. And um, I have the opportunity to basically teach a business foundations class to basically every ninth grader. Um, And the content that we're exploring in that class is unlike even the high school that I attended, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, and we're talking about things and and exploring um, basically how to make money off of our art, you know, or and ideas and stuff. Yeah. And it's, it's cool. I mean, not every school has that. So I'm excited that I can be a part of something that I think is meaningful and like giving back to um, the artists, the young artists that I get to teach and mentor. This um, is this is so cool. So this school, because there's not a lot of schools like this, yeah. and this is, and they're they're growing, they're popping up, yeah, um, slowly but surely. But this is not a typical public high school. Oh, not at all. There's not there's <laughs> not like typical gen ed courses. So like, right, right. When 
when you get like what is your tip what what is like a day in the life of this school what does that kind of look like what's a student kind of going there for yeah so if i were a student at the school of arts and enterprise um i basically would have the opportunity to choose a major within the arts so that ranges anywhere from dance to theater to learning about film list goes on Mm -hmm. um so once i choose my major um through my experience at we call it the say. Mm-hmm. Um, through my experience at the say, you would then take a number of classes that help expand your skills within that art medium from um, basically ninth through twelfth grade, mm-hmm. and then um, the middle school helps just expose them to all the different arts as well. So it is unique. It's kind of like college, you know. You choose mm-hmm. a major and you take classes within that major to build your craft. Um, but then they also take English math (laughs) Um, and my business class as well Um, and business at the 12th grade level too if you were to walk on campus you would see um, or be exposed to a number of galleries Mm -hmm. with student artwork um, and students marketing their artwork Uh, you would see and experience a number of shows uh, from musicians on campus and from vocalists on campus as well as musical theater um, and dramas um, we have film screenings. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, created by students. What? Um, where they're like marketing and sharing their their films. The list goes on. And then um, I'm an advisor for a student-run literary magazine. And so we'll have like magazine release parties and basically just celebrate literature and literacy and design and it's super cool yeah yeah, that sounds awesome unlike a lot of other schools but i i really do love it there that's very cool so you so you came you came by this school like it it like you said earlier like teaching (laughs) wasn't initially in your plans right uh public relations was where you were headed yes and then and then came through this i mean i i guess whenever i hear that like i can think i can only think back on my own high school experience right like yeah. we, and, and i guess that's what all of us can do but yeah. did you come did you come by this school through teach for america as well mm, great question yeah answer is no okay <laughs> <laughs> so um once i was ending up my two-year commitment with Teach for America, I mm-hmm. knew that I still wanted to teach. Okay. Um, because I had, again, it was the most difficult experience I've ever had, but the most rewarding. And I knew that I wanted to continue um, this really important work of like pouring back into our youth, but also learning from our youth. Yeah. Because our youth has a lot to teach us adults too. Yeah. I'm a firm advocate about that. Um, but I knew I wanted to continue this work, but I also valued the arts. Mm-hmm. And I've always valued the arts, um, even when I was in high school. Yeah, I loved choir and theater, and I was part of like a journalism program. Um, anything that I felt helped cultivate my artistic self, I was all about it. Mm-hmm. So I knew that I wanted to work at a school that did that for other students too. Um, I also was doing long distance with my boyfriend at the time, who's now my husband, um, who lives down in Southern California. And so there was a multitude of things at play, right? I wanted to teach, continue teaching, but at a school that had a strong arts program that I could also be a part of Mm -hmm. um, because I am a huge advocate of that. But then I also didn't want to do long distance anymore. (laughs) (laughs) And it's cool. (laughs) I ended up getting married to this awesome guy named Dave Brunel. So it's, it's great. So... Um, that's what made me start looking for 
schools with an art emphasis down here in Southern California. Mm -hmm. And that's how I came across the School of Arts and Enterprise in Pomona. Um, And yeah, once I found out about it, I started making some phone calls, sent them my resume and uh, they were interested. They had me come in, do an interview, and they offered me this like really unique position Mm -hmm. of teaching business foundations, um, which is basically like intro to entrepreneurship and like personal finance. And we explore like personal branding for them as artists, um, as well as being this advisor for an awesome uh, magazine. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's kind of like all these different loves that I have put together at this school. Yeah. That's how I came across it. That's amazing. Now, um, I know just kind of taking it back a little bit, yeah. uh, because like you said, like you've always had a passion for the arts. This is something mm-hmm. that you've been, um, inputting, uh, even at the charter school that you worked at. Yes. Right. Correct. Like, correct. So, in San Jose. Uh, yeah. In yeah. San Jose. And yeah. then, um, where was it though that you, cause you introduced slam poetry to middle schoolers. <laughs> I did. So where did you I do did. that? Yeah. So if we're going to take it back um, a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. bit. So before (laughs) teaching at the School of Arts and Enterprise, like I mentioned earlier, um, I started my whole um, teaching journey in the U.S. in San Jose at this school called Ace Charter School. And um, it's teaching English. It was lovely. It was great. I was learning a lot Mm -hmm. about my students and learning a lot about the content. Um, But I realized there was only really one art program there. Mm-hmm. And I was realizing in my English class that there were a number of my students who just needed outlets, needed creative outlets to explore the world around them, to unpack some really like important critical questions. Yeah. I mean, you know, the political climate was changing at that oh, time, boy. too. Like our current president was not our current president yeah. then, but, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. people were running and yeah. my students had a lot of thoughts and opinions about it. Mm-hmm. And they just needed a space to talk about it. Right. Mm-hmm. And create and explore Um, and I knew that we could take writing to the next level with this. And, and, um, I realized that I could curate another space outside of my traditional English classroom Mm -hmm. for students to ask these critical questions. I mean, we were still doing it in class, but I knew that there were a handful of students who just wanted to go a little bit deeper, Mm -hmm. um, and, enhance their writing skills even more than what was happening in class. So I guess you could call them like my my honor children, <laughs> uh, my, my honors kids. But we ended up creating a poetry space where anyone and everyone could come after, after school and be a yeah. part of that. And I just led a whole bunch of different like poetry workshops and explored different topics. And my second year there, um, I realized that a number of those same students um, – wanted to like go to open mics and they wanted to share what they were writing outside of school. And so I exposed, exposed slam poetry to them. We watched so many videos and I brought like uh, poets who did slam poetry in class and after school to get to talk to these kids and like lead workshops as well. And I ended up, it was super cool. I ended up partnering um, with this organization called youth speaks Mm -hmm. that is based in the Bay area. They oversee like San Francisco, Oakland, Berkeley, Um, they're an amazing organization. If you don't know about them, look them up, um, because they're doing some amazing work right now. But um, they have a slam poetry competition for our youth in the Mm -hmm. Bay. And so I was like, let's get these kids plugged in. Oh, dang. Um, The youngest age that you can compete, I'm pretty sure at the time was 12. And that basically was the age of my little ones. (laughs) (laughs) But they were down. They were down. So um, we ended up 
all going to the prelims in Berkeley. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was an amazing experience, an amazing experience. And it seemed like they took a lot out of that experience too. And um, they felt more confident as artists. And it seemed like what they needed to get out, they got out through that art. Yeah. Um, but I will never forget what... Um, pretty sure pretty sure he's a poet himself and he like leads poetry workshops mm-hmm. um through youth speaks because i've seen his face um at different locations but yeah. he said something that i took with me and i still take with me as an educator mm. about our youth and he said you know our youth has a lot to say and they can speak for themselves mm. they can speak for themselves um we don't as adults need to speak for them they can speak for themselves but how are you curating safe spaces Mm. for them to speak um and i realized that writing could do that for these students along with a lot of other art mediums you know and so um i've taken that that um i guess that quote from him and put it in my back pocket and i I think it fuels me even today with the work that I do. How am I curating those safe spaces for our youth to speak for themselves and like speak their truth yeah. um, to our world? So That's so cool. Yeah. That's so amazing. Because, yeah. I mean, we, we've all, I, I think we can all kind of relate to at least that educator that had that heart, right? Like, mm-hmm. you're like there's, there's not a there's not enough teachers like you. <laughs> oh, you're so sweet. There's uh there's not enough teachers that that it. Well, I say that. I think there are a lot of teachers that want to make a positive impact. There's a lot. Yes. I don't know. I can't. I, if I look back at all the whole roster of teachers and professors that I have, I can really only pick out two. Yeah. That that kind of hit me. Yeah. Um right in the feels right like that 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 felt i felt like they understood me i felt like they got what i got yeah and and really kind of were able to cultivate that so oh yeah um me too (laughs) so definitely not an indictment on on educators that are just that are in a tough situation or just like i don't know i i know i know there's plenty of teachers that wanted that want to make that positive impact so oh definitely um there's a lot of great teachers doing it oh definitely definitely but uh maybe the maybe the the better way to put it is like maybe they don't have the opportunities to to really flex on that a little bit or to give their students that space to oh yeah and like systems play a huge part in that too of of like making teachers jaded as Mm, well over time you know i i think to a certain extent at least this is my hope yeah i hope for this yeah my hope is that most teachers who go into the profession of teaching want to do it because they love our youth and they want to pour back in our youth and they want to learn from our youth like i hope that's the case i mean that's why i joined this profession right yeah Yeah, right and and even to this day i ask myself like yo because there are some jaded teachers out there though i'm sure yeah and i i really have to ask myself like why is that the case and Mm -hmm. i think i think there's certain systems that have been set in place that have have made teachers jaded you know Mm -hmm. whether it is we talked about lack of resources or access you know and them feeling like i've done everything that i can you know and it's still not enough yeah um that that plays a huge factor on a teacher's psyche and Mm -hmm. like social and emotional well-being i'm sure um and it's the same for students you know um it makes students um maybe not like learning anymore or Mm -hmm. i i've talked to students who straight up told me yeah i don't 
I didn't like school until coming here, you know? Oh, wow. Seriously. Yeah. Seriously, just because of negative experiences that they might have faced. Yeah. You know, maybe they've been failed by the system at some point, yeah. whether they're an English language learner and there weren't proper supports for them in grade mm-hmm. school, you know, mm-hmm. or whether um, they were interested in a certain topic and they didn't have the opportunity to explore that topic or content because mm-hmm. of you know, not having X amount of electives at your school, you know, or a library to explore these things. I mean, list goes on. So yeah, yeah, it's tricky. It's tricky. But my hope is that that's why people would join the profession. Oh, I'm sure. No, I I mean, you you would know better than I would, right? I mean, but because my my experience has been very, very limited. I I never Mm -hmm. like, well, my I've I've only been able to experience what my parents put me into, right? So public school wise, we had, we had the resources. Yeah. Um, and in the other school, it, we didn't have the resources, but we didn't know any better, right? Mm. Like that was just that's, that's that's it. just what it was. Yep, yep. Um, there's another thing that I, I kind of want to go into that I think is is really really cool that we were talking about mm-hmm. um, before we in our kind of pre discussion. Yeah. Um, but this uh, with this school that you're at right now, you're really cultivating this this like if you want to be a dancer you can be a dancer if you want to be a singer you can be a singer if you want to be an actor right. you can be an actor right. um but you know working with creative students that uh they don't just want to be the one thing right they want to be all kinds of things right so this this whole kind of there's a myth floating around about like you can only be the one thing and when you pick that one thing, that's all you yep. can do for the rest of your life. Like yep. that wrecks identity. Completely. Yeah. Tell us why. <laughs> <laughs> it wrecks identity because we are human beings. And because we are human beings, we are complex. Mm-hmm. There are so many different facets that make up who we are. Mm-hmm. And so that doesn't mean that we have to be just this one thing ever. Um, yeah. If you love writing and you love dancing and you love cooking, you can do all of that mm-hmm. and say you are a cook, a writer, and a dancer. Right. And that is okay. Yeah. You know, um, there's a number of students that go to my school that major in one thing. And basically the reason why our school has that structure is because um, a lot of art institutions and like art colleges mm-hmm. are looking for um, students that have xyz experience in that one art medium Mm -hmm. right and so it basically helps them um get into these schools more than if they were just you know experimenting with all the different art mediums throughout the course of their high school experience so that's our reason right but i tell them i'm like even though you're majoring in one thing like outside of school opportunities are endless you know you got to really understand what do you love what brings you joy and pursue that because you're a human being and mm-hmm. you're allowed to do that. And I honestly, I it's liberating even for me as an adult to speak that over myself, yes. especially since I think I'm a creative too. Um, it's liberating for my mm-hmm. students and myself as an adult. So, yeah, yeah. And I I kind of think back to, um, to, to part of the reason why I moved out here, right? It was yep. there was a couple of different reasons, um, but one of which being that like, uh this is a place california being a place where where it's a hub of creativity where where you can you can kind of put those things at the front of your mind instead of just like a side thing right right and so there is this uh i i've struggled with that as well i'm just like oh i'm just 
I, I came I came here. I'm like somehow I got it in my head. Like I came here to go to grad school for therapy. All right, so then I'm a therapist. But right. the thing I like to do is like writing and creating and storytelling and all that. So yeah. I was like, wait, how do I make this world work where I like get to do both things? Oh, definitely. And there were so many nights of just like, oh God, which like Lord, which way do I go? Like yeah. I love both of these things. Definitely. Why? Like which one do I pick? And yeah. it was a friend of mine who's actually a, a poet mm-hmm. um, and a creative writer. And she told me, like, well, wait a second. Like, who told you you have to be one or the other? Like, right. you can be all of, like, you are the one that makes your job description. Yep. And just like you said, like, oh, there's so much freedom in that. All of a sudden, you're oh, just like, definitely. oh, my gosh. I, I can be all of these things. Definitely. And yeah. I think it even comes, my personal realization with yeah. this, I think even comes with, like, uh, basically like my racial existence too mm. because i'm mixed mm-hmm. like uh. my mom's white my dad's black mixed, mixed, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> mixed babies yes. um and <laughs> honestly i really felt like there there was this pressure whether i was putting on myself or from society or just yeah. from like I, I don't know where it was coming from to mm-hmm. be honest but there were times in my life and seasons in my life where I really did feel like I had to pick one because yeah. I didn't feel like I belonged in other spaces because Ugh. I wasn't uh, brown enough or white yeah. enough or not enough, whatever yeah. it was, right? Yeah. Um, and it wasn't until college, to be completely honest, that I really started to accept like, uh, this is all of who I am. Like <laughs> my mom she's white my dad's black and that makes me me and i mm-hmm. can accept both i can be both i am enough just in that and i think just that realization alone started expanding my realizations with almost anything else that has like these dual identity mm-hmm. type of things you know yeah, like, yeah. like even with art like yeah pursue Pursue what brings you joy. If that's right. two, three, ten things, you go for it, honey. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. That's Absolutely. all right. That's all right. No, no. That's, I, I mean, you, I, I just I sat back there because I wanted – you were speaking so much truth right there. I just, mm-hmm. that, that had to be heard. Um, no, but, I, I mean, you're exactly right. Like, there, there's these with, – with being mixed because I'm, I'm half white, half Mexican. So, mm-hmm. like, there's these two uh, kind of almost polarizing cultures oh, that, definitely. like – they want you to be a part of one or the other, not both, yeah. and or take it a step further uh, from Texas, living in California, and then like mm. now try going back to that place yeah. and be that per. You can't like it, yeah. you just you you just constantly feel like a misfit. Yeah, and and it is I think a misfit type of feeling. It is. It's a misfit, sure. and somehow we've got it in our heads that just because we're a misfit means that we don't we don't fit. So that's a bad thing, you know. Right. Like that means we're not enough. Right, and, right, right. Ah, and but this, that is a lie. <laughs> amen. Yeah, this is this is why this is part of the we reason why and this we have pro- worth. Yeah. Yeah. Say that again. We belong and we have worth. Absolutely, we absolutely. Do. That's that's part of the reason why I want to start this podcast is because like yeah, it's awesome. for the misfits, right? Like <laughs> part of that is for the misfits. Yes. Um, all about it. Oh man, love it. So, all right. So let me let me take it this direction. Okay. Um. Because now, now we have broken down the wall of like we can only be the one thing, right? We yeah. can be these hybrid, these hybrid career-oriented people. We can yep. we can be writers and dancers while also being an accountant. Yes, we can. Or something, you know. So if I am a parent or a teacher, mm-hmm. 
and I I'm trying to cultivate all of these little creatives in my classroom, <laughs> like or even in your house, yeah. or even in my house. Yeah. Yes, because we're talking about parents too. Yeah. So how do I? I mean, how do I do that? Like, where where do I where do I start? And yeah. then what are the steps? How do I know if I'm doing it right? Yeah. Like, what do I do? Tell it's, me what to do, Chelsea. Yeah. <laughs> it's a great <laughs> question. And we're being honest here. Like, yeah. I'm still exploring that. And mm-hmm. I'm still learning and figuring that out. But uh, in the years that I have been an educator, I can share the things that I've learned so far. Yeah, absolutely. I'm still building on it. But I can it. share the things that I've learned so far. So yeah. uh, the first thing that I think is really important for other educators and for parents and just even community members who want to build up their youth um, is knowing how to create a safe space um, mm. for our youth. And so I know it's really hard to feel like you can be artistic and creative um, and build in unsafe spaces. It, it's it's like nearly impossible. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so how do we create the safe spaces? And I know just in my personal experience with my own classrooms, um, there was a class that <laughs> within student teaching in Watts where there was a lot of racial tension mm. um, in that classroom. And we had to create and figure out how to create a safe space for these students to even learn, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so one of the ways that we did that was through storytelling, which is why I love this podcast idea. It's how yeah. do you create a space where students can share their stories um, so that they can know that they're not alone and there's actually, at times, more similarities than there are differences mm-hmm. among them. Um, and Honestly, it starts with self as well as an adult, because sometimes students won't even feel safe to share their story to break down boundaries if an mm. adult is not willing to share their story and Dang. be open. So it, it starts with ourselves, right? And being open to do that and being honest and being vulnerable. Um, and it's okay to share with our youth, like we don't have our lives together yet. You know, <laughs> yes. like we're human beings, we're constantly learning, we're constantly evolving. Yeah. But it starts with that. How do you create a safe space? And you can create a safe space by storytelling, but it starts with self. Being being authentic, being yeah. honest. Like I, I Definitely. get that that's what they need, right? Yeah. That's what that's what we all want. That's what we all crave is yeah. is an authentic community. Yeah. And it starts with stop putting up a front. Yeah. Right. That's so, real. That's real. I mean, grab your pens and papers, kids. Let's, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, are we not taking notes right now or what? That's that's it. So safe yeah. spaces through storytelling. And I think there's going to be um, you're going to start to see uh, this mutual feeling of respect mm. that's going to start to come out of that space. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. And then yeah. the second thing that I would say is um, student choice mm. or just choice for for your your children in your own home or within community spaces. How do you create more choice for them and this is an ongoing conversation that i have with a lot of my educator friends when it Mm -hmm. comes to just like our assignments and things like that it's really important for a student and for a child to have buy-in in something Mm. in order to explore it further and um in order for you to create more buy-in choice helps you get there so even with chores like at home there might be four different things that need to happen in the house (laughs) right yeah and there's not one way of getting something done most of the time 
And so if you're creating choice, even for your own child of what chore that Mm -hmm. they want to accomplish and you let them figure out how they're going to accomplish it, there might be more buy-in. And the same goes with classrooms as well, with topics, giving choice in regards to topics and certain Mm -hmm. assignments. Um, There's a way of still meeting state standards and giving students choice. Oh, my goodness. Um, And that's where you're going to start to see a lot more – I think creativity start to illuminate in a space um, because you're allowing a student and a child to think outside of the box Mm -hmm. of how they want to learn about a topic or get a job done, Mm -hmm. right? And you're probably going to see a different way that um, student or that child problem solves, right? So that would be another thing. So we're two steps in, people. Yeah. And I'm already (laughs) hearing how – I'm hearing hearing something interesting. Whenever – you do at least these two things. You're opening up the doors for your students or for your kids to be creative. But it right. sounds like you're also opening up the doors for yourself. Definitely. To be creative. Yeah. Because now you're looking for different ways to problem solve. Now you're looking, I mean, this is just a, a tiny shift in your perspective. Definitely. Of how you teach or how you parent. Definitely. And you've already opened up a whole lot of other possibilities. Oh, yeah. And even as an educator, I mean, I have certain ways that I do things, right? And yeah. there's certain things that I feel, oh, I could do, you know, to learn about a certain topic. But when I provide safe space and student choice, Mm -hmm. um, I actually learn so much from my students, so much. Things that I wouldn't have done or problem solved in that way, but they still find uh, an end to a start or they, they still... I don't know, they're still able to find a solution in a way that I might not have done, but it still gets yeah. the job done and maybe even a cooler way. So, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, those are those are two really important things. I love that. Um, the third thing that I would say to both teachers um, and parents and community members would be mm-hmm. um, students need to be able to feel like they can take a risk um, and... If you don't have a safe space, it's really hard for a child to feel like they can take the risk. Mm. So that's why I wanted to state take risks afterwards. Um, When we feel like we can take risks, that's when you're really going to see, um, I think, art at its best. Mm. Art at its best Um, and creativity at its best. What happens, though... Even in a safe space where students feel like they can take a risk, mm-hmm. sometimes what still gets in the way is fear. Fear that, okay, I know I am safe, but if I do this, I'm going to get it wrong. Yeah. Um, or if I, if I problem solve in this way, it's still not going to turn out the way that it needs to, or it's still not going to solve the problem. Um, it's fear of failure. Mm. And I have to like preach to my students literally every week. And I even have a poster that say, says it like, we're learning we're failing, we're learning again, and it's re- <laughs> repeated process, yeah. right? But what do you do if you do fail? If you're learning from it, then it should be creating some growth for you as a human being in your thought process and even creative process mm. to try again and maybe try differently. Um, and I think this is advice for adults too. Mm. We all fear something. I almost feel like it's inevitable. <laughs> Absolutely. As human beings, you know, yeah. we, we all feel that emotion, fear of something. And for most of us, it could be fear of failure. And um, I think it's really important to replace 
fear with something else. And so in my class, I'll say, we are replacing fear today with some faith. And even if they're not religious, it doesn't need to be in a religious context. It's just like faith in an idea, right? Or like faith in, in um, a solution that we came up with or, or faith in the belief that like, we can do this and we're capable, <laughs> you know? Ooh, yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it's important to repa- replace fear with something else. And usually what I, I pitch is, is faith. Um, and if you can do that, again, you are opening up the door for more creativity to happen yeah, from our youth. Absolutely. Well, and, and you're also giving yourself permission, right, right. to be creative. Like you're, right. if, you're, if you're putting yourself in a safe space, that means you're giving yourself permission to, to try something different. Definitely. Uh, and then when you when you're when you feel safe you feel safe enough to take a risk yep uh and that perseverance to to fail and fail forward fail forward that's to, it <laughs> yeah to, to to move through that and yeah. not you know to kind of make something out of the pieces instead of just you know going backwards or just pausing or stopping completely that's like, it we don't want you to do that right um but man that's that's so good i i mean and that's that's a rule in therapy is mm-hmm. anytime that i'm working with a client and we are trying to like say you come in for anxiety we're going to decrease that anxiety by increasing in some place else that makes sense and and so i mean what what you're talking about is has been taught in all sorts of places and and, i mean it's therapeutic like you're a therapist like you're you're working working in there teacher and therapist dang nice there you go (laughs) (laughs) um another thing that i would mention to help enhance creativity among our youth um is really finding and identifying um, what they're doing well. Mm. So I think it's important. I don't know if it's this generation or if it's just people in general, like as humanity, but one of the love languages is affirmation, right? Yeah. Um, and just in my personal experience, I am seeing again and again and again how important affirmations are in my classroom space Hmm. um and how that actually again helps students feel safe helps them feel like they can take more risks um when we as adults are actually identifying and labeling what we think um, these students are doing well and we're being specific about that feedback and Mm -hmm. affirmations Um, but it's also really important to give constructive feedback as well you you know to help them grow um, as adults, we've lived some life and we're still learning <laughs> right. and living life. Um, and I think we, we have a tool belt of wisdom that we can also share with our youth. And like, it doesn't just end at affirmations. Like we should be letting them know, um, what could be done differently as well to help solve problems or yeah. to explore something further given our own wisdom. But, um, I think it's, it's, it's also important to, to do that um, to do that I guess in in a safe way as well so I'm gonna share a strategy with you um, that I think can help do this Ooh, I love strategies in my class we use something called bless address press and I actually learned this from a mentor I had uh, through teach for America that I've right. carried with me so when you see like a student or like your child or community youth member do something um, you can bless it 
You can mm-hmm. give a positive affirmation. You are stating something that you like, love, or admired about their idea or their creation, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a lot of students who thrive on this, either because they don't hear enough of that at home or they don't hear enough of that in their community or in their other classes. Um, but sometimes that becomes the fuel for them to keep on going and keep on creating and feel good about that, right? Mm-hmm. There are other students who are like, I hear affirmations all the time. Get to the nitty gritty. <laughs> tell me like, what do I need to work on, right? To make my art even better, right? Or to find another solution or mm-hmm. um, to expand whatever they're working on. And so we would say, okay, I'm going to address this then. And addressing is basically an area of growth. You can state a suggestion like, well, um, here's a suggestion. Maybe you could dot, dot, dot. Or you could state an I wonder statement. Um, So I wonder Mm -hmm. how um, what you just created would change if you fill in the blank, right? Um, And that kind of addresses um, and like pushes them in, in, in the right direction, yeah. hopefully. Yeah. Um, and then the last one is press. And so that's when you combine both. That's when you are providing an affirmation, something that you really like, love, or admire about their idea. But then you are also addressing, providing suggestions or I mm-hmm. wonder statements to push them further. So um, we try this in writing workshops. Um, I've done this in poetry workshops. I've done this even with my aspiring entrepreneurs in that business class with their business ideas that they're coming up with all the time. Yeah. I've used this strategy with adults. Um, it works. So this thing works across the board. It works. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And it helps, I would say it helps our youth and can even help adults just feel like they're moving in the right direction and yeah. growth is happening and yeah. feeling good about it. I love that. So that's yeah. bless, address, and press. And press, yeah. That's so good. Mm-hmm. I, I really, I've never heard that before. So I, that's that's awesome. Definitely yeah, want to use that. I love the strategy. That's better than the uh, like the sandwich method, right? Like where you're like compliment, criticize, compliment, oh, or compliment, yeah. critique, compliment. Yeah, it's it's similar. It's similar. <laughs> similar. Definitely. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's a great strategy. Man, that's so awesome. So so whenever I take these four things, is my kid a better creative? Hmm. Good question. I think if you were to apply those steps that were just mentioned, Mm -hmm. it's going to provide an opportunity for the child to, I think, increase their curiosity, Mm -hmm. increase their optimism. And when you have all of those things together, package, um, Mm -hmm. I think it's going to fuel them to be their best creative self. Mm. I really do believe that. Safety, risk-taking. Um, Just kind of think, increase in their self-efficacy, right? Definitely. Like their, yeah. Definitely. Um, affirming, but also providing feedback, um, giving them choice. Mm-hmm. Um, all these things, I think, can really help cultivate their most creative self. I do believe that. And I'm seeing the fruit of that in my yeah. classroom and in my local community space working with youth. And I'm still learning and I, I still feel like there's other elements that mm-hmm. can help um, our youth be their most creative selves and even for us as adults. But these are things that I'm finding right now to be true and, and it's working. This is so cool because this is not this is not just theory. Like yeah. this is this is actual practice. Yeah. You're seeing it in I'm real time. It. Yeah. And and this is live feedback from all yeah. of that yep so 
I mean, don't, don't y'all listening at home in the car doing whatever. I mean, don't take this and just like, oh, okay, that's a good idea. Like actually apply this stuff because this has been battle tested. (laughs) It's it's in the school. That's real. (laughs) Front lines. Yeah. I mean, we're talking to, talking to somebody who's going in on Monday and put, fighting the good fight again. So this stuff works. It does. It does. And again, I'm still learning and we're yeah. human beings. We're ever evolving, Absolutely. you know, and we're super complex. And so um, I don't want to say like these are the only things that help build right. your creative self. Like right. there's so many more things, but this is what I'm finding to be true right now. And I'm still learning. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. That, and that's important to know. And, and, and yeah. you can definitely, I think these are four solid things to apply right now. Definitely. Um, you can definitely add to the list as you go. Definitely. Um, or kind of hone in a little bit on an idea, but I mean, but these are four solid things that you can apply right now. And especially whenever we're talking about, um, I don't know, creative process, um, which is different for everyone, but it all has to kind of arise from, from a similar kind of space of cultivation, right? Like it, it, we don't feel brave enough to take risks unless we, uh, have been given kind of a space for that. Yeah. Um, and, and a risk is a risk people. I'm not saying yeah. that it, that it works out every time, but, but when you are able to take a gamble on yourself, it means that you trust yourself enough or you've got a strong enough community around you to take that gamble regardless of the outcome. Because that's that's what you get to do as a creative. That's what that's that's kind of the day is just yeah. it's one gamble after another. Yeah, definitely. So cool. And when I look at my own art, like mm-hmm. I would consider teaching to be an art. Absolutely. Because I'm constantly figuring out how to get student buy in with certain topics mm-hmm. and subjects and figuring out ways of how they can, you know, engage mm-hmm. um in certain texts and um yeah constantly exploring a variety of different ways to help students i feel like there's art in that but mm-hmm. um even just like with my hobbies writing and like singing on the side yeah i've found like the best art that comes from me um basically is able to take place because of those four things that yeah. were mentioned earlier like yeah. when i'm in my home and it's warm and I have a nice comfy chair and I sit down yeah. um, and I don't feel this like outside pressure on me. There's just like this freedom mm-hmm. and that safety. Mm-hmm. So I knock out some of my best written work, Damn. you know? Yeah. Um, my work, however, does not grow until I meet with a community of folks to actually then read my work. Give me feedback, right? That's where I really see growth within my artistry. Um, I know that a year and a half ago when I moved back down um, to Los Angeles, um, I really tried to reach out to a core group of people to see, hey, can you read my writing? (laughs) And like vice versa, Mm -hmm. because I don't want to just feel stuck in in my own little bubble, in my own little space. Yeah. So I think that may be another thing to consider as well is just the importance of community within creativity as well. Absolutely. Because um, that's where you're going to see the growth. I th- if, if you're working by yourself in solitude and you apply safety, choice, um, risk-taking, mm-hmm. you'll see fruit, but you won't see the type of growth 
um, that I think you'll want to see until you include community in that equation as well. And having multiple people, it's taking that risk as well, Mm -hmm. uh, inviting multiple people um, or one or two trusted folks, right? To really look and maybe apply the um, bless address press strategy with you as well, you know, affirming you, giving you feedback to help you grow like it's needed too. Yeah. Oh, man. So much good stuff. Woo. So much good stuff. I hope. Um, man, <laughs> so good. I, I'm just like, I'm I'm still processing it all, but it's, it's super, super good. We're going to have to, everybody, we're going to have to rewind and uh, listen to this again. Um, <laughs> so, Chelsea, thank you so much for coming on. This has been of awesome. Of course. Uh, definitely want to have you on again. Yeah. Because there's so many areas we can kind of touch on especially with the perspectives that you have Mm -hmm. and just some of the things that are kind of taking place now. Um, So, oh man, we'll definitely bug you again. Uh, (laughs) But Chelsea, where can we follow along with your journey? Where can we kind of follow along with you more? Um, Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, So you can follow my (laughs) journey among um, education on my Instagram. So that is life underscore like underscore chels um and my full name chelsea barmore brunell should pop up so you can follow me there and then um if you want to follow along with some of the creative youth that i've been talking about yes um they have a website especially my literary magazine students they have a website that's 100 percent curated by students um, and updated by them so that's www.electriclitmag.com and they also have an instagram account which is say s-a-e underscore electric so you can keep up with some of our southern california local creatives and see what they're up to and they they run that whole thing right like they do all the social media all the content in the magazine all the content even trying to find sponsors for it wow. to fund it yeah got them hustling oh yeah definitely <laughs> but they're doing an incredible job that is awesome that is awesome so we will have all of her uh, all of chelsea's links and the links to the magazine and her students work uh in the show notes below you know all of my links are going to be down there as well chelsea again thank you so much for being on here thank you so much it's DJ. been so it's cool been awesome yes I'm glad i could be a part of this oh man i'm so thankful that you've been a part of it so until next time everybody keep creating be bold all those good things take care